just want to begin by saying it's so good to see everybody this Sunday. It was uh, interesting last Sunday at 8 a.m. I think there were about 15 of us all together because of Snowpocalypse 2018. And half of them were first responders from here in Salisbury, from our wonderful fire department and police department. And I'll tell you, I was very blessed to be able to get here, but the old Mazda couldn't quite get me home. So it just stayed here in the clergy spot, and our wonderful Chief David Morris gave me a ride home. We even ended up digging somebody out of the snow on the way back. So it was, you know, a holly jolly second Sunday of Advent. And uh, it's so good to see everybody back. And I know, you know, as we've kind of worked through this four-part series on the cardinal virtues, of course, now we have a little bit of a gap just uh, while you're sitting down because of the surprise. Last week, the virtue is justice. And I'm not going to just, like, re-give the homily now. I'm glad you're all relieved by that. But uh, we did, since we didn't have the live stream last week, we just recorded that, that homily in a little bit of a different setting. It was my office. Uh, on justice. So if you want to go and catch up, it's on the website. We'll have a link there. Or if you're just having trouble sleeping, just, you know, turn it on. It'll be great. Uh, the other thing, you know, as far as like a gap, you know, going from the first Sunday of Advent, now we're jumping right into Gaudete Sunday, Pink Candle Sunday. I mean, we're in it. This is awesome. The other kind of a gap we get is from the gospel last week. So if you go back and read it, it was the beginning of the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke, so verses 1 to 6. And just sort of a quick recap, since a lot of us weren't able to be here last Sunday, it was basically about you know, all of the different leaders at the time, like Caesar and Pontius Pilate, the high priest Annas and Caiaphas, and yet the word of God comes to John in the desert. And what does he do? He goes about preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then we hear, you know, reference to the Old Testament and how God is going to make the crooked way straight. He's coming. And then we jump right from that to this Sunday. So that last gospel ended uh, chapter 3, verse 6. This Sunday picks up chapter 3, verse 10. So there's a little three-verse gap. And I feel like you can kind of feel it the way the gospel started today. It's just people standing there saying to John the Baptist, what should we do? Which, you know, if you're just kind of jumping in the middle of the action, seems a little bit odd. Well, here are the verses that were left out. This is chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. John the Baptist said, Therefore to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits that befit repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then everybody says, what should we do? Now, notice, we're probably not going to use chapter 3, verse 7 to 9 at the Christmas Mass. Okay? You know, when everybody comes, we don't see all the time... I promise not to start the Mass with, you brood of vipers, who told you to come? Probably not going to bring them out, right, or keep them coming. At the same time, it's a good warning to sort of have, to kind of remind ourselves that ultimate salvation, it's not just sort of like the default setting, right? Just like, let's just say, to compare it to good physical fitness, it's not the default. I mean, you don't just sort of 
you know, drift through life, never exercising, eating anything you want, and you're just able to run a marathon tomorrow. That's not the way that it works. And in the same way, you have to work for something much less important than salvation, like physical fitness. Our salvation is kind of the same way. And we need to be aware of the fact that it is possible in our day-to-day decisions, as we've all seen in many different ways, you know, throughout life, that, you know, not necessarily looking at ourselves, but we should always be looking at ourselves too, that it is possible to lose that relationship with God, with one another, to fall into you know, the burdens, the problems of sin and vice. So, the cardinal virtue today helps us with our decisions, just like those people asking, what should we do? This cardinal virtue helps us to answer that question in all sorts of ways, especially the big things, and that cardinal virtue is called prudence. Now, prudence is defined in the Catechism in paragraph 1806, and this is part of that paragraph. Prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. And this is a quote from the book of Proverbs. The prudent man looks where he is going. With the help of this virtue, we apply moral principles to particular cases without error and overcome doubts about the good to achieve and the evil to avoid. So the thing is, that that key point there about discerning our true good, to remember that ultimately, in all things, we're striving to become saints. At the end of the day, our goal isn't just to make our bank account bigger, our houses bigger, to have more cars, or whatever other thing we might want to indulge in more and more. At the end of the day, we're called to be saints. And to discern our true good means that growing in holiness in all things, in all circumstances. And that's part of the the aspect where life is eternally exciting, so to speak, because we know we have these eternal principles, right? That's why John the Baptist is able to stand out there and to say, repent, to say, to leave the bad things behind and to sort of apply things in a broad way to a lot of people. But they have to take those principles and apply them to their daily life. Notice that everybody who talks to him today is not exactly given the same advice. You've got tax collectors coming. You've got soldiers coming. And notice, John the Baptist doesn't say, okay, everybody, give away everything, go live in the desert like me, like a hermit, and we're all going to do exactly the same thing. No, that's not what he does. Tax collectors are asking, what do we do? He doesn't say stop being a tax collector. He says, be a just tax collector. Don't take more than you're supposed to. Same thing with the soldiers. What do we do? And say, stop being a soldier. He says, you know, don't falsely accuse anyone. Don't extort people. This is a big one. Be satisfied with your wages. Now, ultimately, to go about doing the good in your day-to-day life. And frankly, a big part of us coming together at least once a week on Sunday and to try to study our faith throughout the week, it's to apply it to all the different things, the huge variety of, you know, situations that all of us go back to. And yet, we gather together to learn those beautiful moral principles and the way to apply them in our day-to-day lives. It's the amazing, I think, just like diversity of the faith that comes out of the unity of all of the principles. And so all of us need to ask that question, what should I do? What should I do with the particular circumstances in my life? And to live out this virtue of prudence There's a very good sort of three-step process. First is good counsel. 
Second is good judgment. And finally is command. Now, what does that mean? So good counsel, you can basically distill that down to asking and listening. So good counsel, we go to certain people that we trust, and we listen to them. When you have some big decision to make, when you know that you have some sort of quandary in your life, to go to a good source to find out, hey, what do you think I should do? To read something good that's going to help you. And this is the thing, to go somewhere that you know will ultimately be of value. Don't go to sources that aren't going to help, right? Read St. Jose Maria Scrivo, his book, The Way. It's wonderful. It's broken down into little sentences. Don't, on the other hand, read Dennis Rodman, Bad As I Want to Be, okay? You know, I know it's a throwback, but I love referencing the Bulls. It's what I do. So you know that that's not going to be all that helpful. There's plenty of things on the internet that are not going to help you to be a better person. Find things and good, trusted resources that you can look to, that help us. I mean, a lot of people have gone through various similar situations before that we're in. Ask and listen. And then comes the second step. After good counsel comes good judgment. Take the time to think about the situation, taking in the good counsel, and most importantly, to pray. To ask our Lord, what should I do in this situation? Remember, at the end of the day, He wants us to be happy. God isn't trying to play some sort of trick on us in our life. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to talk to him. And frankly, folks, wants us to talk to him about our day-to-day lives, to help us to make good, prudential decisions, to go forward and lead those kind of fulfilled lives. And I would say, too, in that good judgment, just as kind of an aside, pray to your guardian angel. I have been doing that now intentionally for about a year, and I can't tell you the difference that has made in my life. And I know in some ways, like, oh, guardian angel, we prayed that when we were little kids. Fine. But the angels, I mean, when you think about it, we're going to have Christmas in just over a week. When the shepherds hear and see the angels, they're not like, oh, that's cute. They're terrified. I mean, they're falling over themselves as they're singing this great glory to God in heaven. We're all given a guardian angel. Ask for help. Pray to him all the time. The last little line that I've learned on the guardian angel prayer that we all know so well is, Take me by the hand, I promise docile obedience to your guidance, that you may lead me to eternal happiness. We'll throw that up online so you can see that too if you want to make that part of your own daily prayer. But to have that good judgment and to ask God's help and his angels and his saints as well. And finally comes the big kicker. And I think this is where a lot of people, when they think about prudence, think that this part doesn't necessarily apply. It's the phrase to command, or frankly, to decide on what you got to do, and then to act. So sometimes it's easy to be like, well, you know, it's just, it's just not prudence to tell the deacon, you know, it's time to finally start, I don't even know, I don't know what to come up with, I'm sorry. Good to, prudence to tell the deacon that he really needs to start showing up for Mass. You know, that guy, he just doesn't come to Mass ever, you know. I probably should say, but, you know, and sometimes it's like in the name of prudence, we say, ah, I can't say that. I don't want to hurt his feelings. But if it's in his best interest to finally say something, of course with charity. But the thing is, prudence isn't timidity or fear. It's not just holding back and never saying anything. Now, granted, it's not the opposite either. It's not to be brash and go, I'm going to beat that deacon over the head. No, that doesn't do the trick either. But... We do have to act. 
And after we've sought the good counsel, after we've spent time on good judgment, we need to follow through. Not to fall into the, tra the trap of negligence, of not following through on what our state in life calls us to, but to move forward. Remember the song from Rush, if you decide not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yes, I just quoted Getty Lee in a homily, which I never thought I would do, but there it is. We do need to move forward on things. You know, when you think about this, there are different times in history where we can look back and say, why didn't anybody do anything? I mean, think about the rise of the Nazis in Germany. Where were the good people to stand up and say something? Well, sometimes it's like out of prudence, quote-unquote, well, I can't do that. No. Sometimes we're called to go forward, to say something, to look for our true good personally and as a society, as a community. Sometimes we got to act. After good counsel, after good judgment, we got to move forward for that true good. And the thing is, all of us are called to develop this. We're all called, yes, to be like little children as we follow God grown up, that we have the courage to move forward. Remember fortitude from the first week. Prudence helps to guide that fortitude, and we're all called to develop it. C.S. Lewis puts it better than I ever could when he says this. Christ said we could only get into his kingdom by being like children, but many Christians have the idea that, provided you are good, quote-unquote, it does not matter being a fool. As St. Paul points out, Christ never meant that we were to remain children in intelligence. On the contrary, he told us to be not only as harmless as doves, but also as wise as serpents. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence we have to be alert at its job and in first-class fighting trim. The fact that you are giving money to a charity does not mean that you need not try to find out whether that charity is a fraud or not. I really love that last part. And there's the thing, prudence. It's called in the catechism in Latin. I don't remember the exact Latin phrase. But the charioteer of the virtues. The one that guides all of our other gifts and talents and virtues to make sure that we apply all of this we've been given to our everyday circumstances. And it takes work to build up that source of good counsel, who we go to, what we read, to take the time to have that good judgment, the time to pray, to think about what's going on, and then to follow through and act in all circumstances. The great thing is, when we live out this prudence well, ultimately, it allows for us doing exactly what St. Paul tells us to do in the second reading today, rejoice. I tell you again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Keep him close always. He wants us to have a good head on our shoulders, to trust in him, then to take all of that and apply it to our day-to-day -day lives. If we grow in prudence in that way, that joy will be a part of everything that we do. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now.